0: The Insurance and Injury Law Show. The email is simple. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca or the phone number to get a hold of Savan anytime. It's right on his pocket, 416-216-5910. We'll get to a bunch of stuff today. Uh, a bunch of emails as well. As promised, we get to those. We'll give you details on the injury calculator and what exactly that tool does. Available for free of charge to you anytime. First, though, we always start, uh, my friend, with the week that was. Well, the week that
1: was was again uh, very busy and very interesting, uh, John. Uh, there are three cases I want to talk about, uh, and I'm going to go through them fairly quickly, just so I can get to the uh, to the lessons from those cases. So the first one deals with a car accident. Uh, I spoke with a gentleman. His name is Mike. Uh, he was in a car accident about a year ago. It wasn't his fault. There was somebody else who was responsible. Now he suffered a partial tear of his left shoulder a concussion, and three broken ribs. Wow. Of course, you can imagine he was really uh, badly banged up. Uh, He was taken to hospital. Uh, Ultimately, he went back to work, but only part-time. He's a truck driver. So he's losing around $1,500 a month, okay? Remember, this was about a year ago, and he's still losing that income. Now, he met with someone from a law office shortly after the accident who convinced him to have them represent him with respect to the accident. Now, here's the thing. Uh, He never signed a retainer agreement, the contract that says that, you know, you law office are representing me for this accident. Uh, And he's been dealing with his own insurance company for his accident benefits directly, meaning that he has been on the phone and by email communicating with the adjuster from his insurance company. And he's been having a really tough time with them. They've put up some roadblocks. They've cut him off some benefits. and, And he's have, you know, just generally has had a very tough time. And he's tried to call his, his lawyer or the law office that's representing him quite a few times. He's leaving messages. Uh, it takes a long time to have someone get back to him. And so he called me because uh, someone in his family was listening to the show nice. and they told him, give him a call. And so he, that's exactly what he did. He ended up calling me and he's, of course, frustrated uh, with the process. He doesn't know uh, you know what's going on with this case has no clue. And, and you know, I I spend about 45 minutes on the phone with him going through absolutely everything. And, and you know, here are the lessons here to be learned. Uh, number one, there are so many red flags, you know, in, in, in this case, in the way that it's been handled. Number one, if you had an accident, if you've been injured because of someone's negligence, whether it's a car accident or a slip and fall because someone didn't clear the ice, uh, you're entitled to compensation. Uh, but If you hire a lawyer or a paralegal, there has to be a retainer agreement. That doesn't mean that you pay them up front anything. It means, though, that you do uh, uh, sign a contract that says you are hereby representing me. That gives that lawyer or paralegal the ability to represent you. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that retainer agreement, that's a problem because it doesn't define the relationship between uh, the, the law firm and you. Now, this leads me to the next point, which is that he's been dealing with his own insurance company directly. Again, a very big no-no, and I've seen this quite a few times. If you are injured, let's say in a car accident, and you're dealing with your own insurance company for income replacement benefits, uh, for medical rehabilitation benefits, attendant care, all these kinds of benefits that you could be getting from your insurance company, you should not have to be dealing with the adjuster for the insurance company. Your lawyer or paralegal, whoever is at the law firm who's dealing with that part of the claim, should be dealing with those people on your behalf. You don't need that pressure. You don't need that stress. You don't need to deal with them. Okay? So again, a very big red flag here. Uh, Number three, and this really, really made me angry, because John, you know, I've spoken about this many, many times. You should not have to leave countless voicemails and email a bazillion times uh, the lawyer or the paralegal or the assistant for them to get back at you. Okay. It's just, it's not respectful. And and frankly, it's bad form. It's bad practice and, and it's just not appropriate. And it also tells me something else. It tells me that if the lawyer, paralegal or the assistant at that firm are not getting back to you, Uh, after you leave them a voicemail or or email them, if you have to chase them, who knows? Maybe that's the relationship that that lawyer has with the insurance company. Maybe that's why your case is dragging on, on and on and on. So again, the lessons out there are that uh, there are major red flags in these kind of circumstances, and if you're in that situation or you know someone who's in that situation... To just do something about it. Give me a call, let's have a chat, and I'll explain to you exactly what your options are, but you should not be in a situation where you are chasing after your own law firm, you've never signed anything with them, and you're dealing with your own insurance company directly. That's a recipe for disaster.
0: It's frustrating, it's tiring for somebody who's in tip-top condition fighting their insurance company day in, day out on the phone, never mind if someone's got tears and concussions and
1: broken bones. Well, exactly. Bones, right? exactly. I mean, you're supposed to be focusing on getting better, right? right? Focusing on trying to rehabilitate yourself. Instead, you, you, you're down in the is trying to deal with everyone uh, when, when your lawyer in the law firm that's supposed to be representing you is not doing anything.
0: It's help at the insurance lawyer.ca and
1: 416-216-5910. Got a couple minutes before we take a, a quick break Get into the second one. So let me tell you about this case. This is a long-term disability situation, and it's similar to the last case we just discussed, but slightly different. Uh, I got a call from a 42-year-old lady who is off sick uh, for the last three years. She received long-term disability for about two years, and then she got cut off. She's suffering from uh, fibromyalgia and depression and a whole slew of other factors. Now, she hired a law firm that promised to help. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, the law firm uh, appealed the cutoff twice, and twice she was denied. So what does that mean? It means that she was cut off mm-hmm. benefits by the insurance company. And what did the law firm tell her to do? The law firm said, well, let's appeal the decision. To the same people cut her off. You got it. Exactly. And <laughs> so, of course, she was denied. And then the law firm says, no, let's appeal a second time. And a second time she's denied now by that, but by this point, you know, months and months and months have passed, and, and you know, she's showed me the medical reports from her doctor, from her psychologist. All of them are supporting her disability, all of them are saying she cannot go back to work and, and and you know, the lawyers representing her told her that it might not be a good idea to start a claim against the insurance company if she was denied those two appeals. I'm telling you right now, John, clearly that lawyer has no clue what he or she is doing. That's absolute nonsense. They just lost a lot of time. This lady is in a predicament, not only health-wise, but financial. And, and, you know, based on all the reports that I've seen and and the denial letter and the policy, she has an extremely good case. And, And, you know, there's no question we're going to be able to resolve it within a few weeks to a few months at most. Starts with a phone call, 416-216-5910,
0: and for email, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some emails right after we finish off the week. That was another case that might sound familiar to you or someone you know. Lots more. Just getting started with the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. The number to get a hold of Savannah, it's his own number, 416-216-5910. Even when he's not here, and uh, email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to one of those very shortly. We're going to
1: wrap up uh, this edition, though, of The the week
0: there was yet three cases this week so number three that's right before I move to that mm. I got
1: to tell you something uh, the last case that I was talking about the LTD with a lawyer who uh, appealed twice the yeah. cutoff I, I actually had to uh, tell this, this lady not to tell me who that lawyer was because I couldn't trust myself not to call that lawyer and just yell at yeah, him what's wrong with her. you yeah yeah it was just bad so third case again it's a long-term disability case uh, and this is interesting because this is, this is a case that I took on, uh, I think, mid-last year, so 2015. And uh, it, it was a lady, a very, a very nice lady, who was cut off, and, and she has a whole slew of issues. Uh, and it was her mother who listened to me, uh, who asked me to speak with her daughter, and we connected. And the reason I'm raising this case is I can't give too many details because the case <laughs> is still in progress. But we had a mediation last week, and at the mediation... Uh, We did not resolve the case. I expect, though, that we're going to resolve the case in probably a few weeks from now. Uh, But here's the interesting thing. Here's why we did not resolve the case. Because our last offer was in the $300,000 plus range, and the insurance company's offer was in the $200,000 plus range. Okay, you get that, John? Yep, yep. We're about $100,000 apart, so I'm not going to say any more than that, except to say that, we did not resolve it yet. We're going to resolve it. But the insurance company already is at the $200,000 plus range when about a year ago this lady was cut off disability and told, You are owed nothing. So leaps and bounds. What, what does that tell you? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, when I had gone and met with her and her mother at their home, I explained everything. And, you know, it's just for most people out there, it's just not natural. How can you tell me that I can get this compensation from the insurance company when? you're effectively telling me to take on this mammoth, this mm-hmm. behemoth of of, of a billion-dollar company. Well, because they have to abide by the law, and oftentimes they are playing a game. It's a game of chicken. Of it's course. a game of poker, whatever it is you want to call it. They are betting that if they cut you off, uh, despite the fact that you are entitled to these disability payments, that you are not going to do anything about it. You're just going to walk away, and you know what? A lot of people do, and a lot of people, when they realize, they hear the show or they speak to me, they come to me and it's too late. You know, it's two years down the road or three years down the road when the limitation period expired and I can't do anything for them. So if you are there in that situation, you've been cut off, long-term disability, you've been denied long-term disability, don't assume that you have no case. Don't assume that you're not entitled to this significant compensation because you may be. And the insurance companies hedge their bets that the majority of people
0: won't fight. They'll walk away with their tail between their legs and save some money. Really. But, they're, but, right. you know,
1: but, but they're doing that on experience because they know that it does happen. It does work. And, and again, when I used to work for insurance companies, right, I used to defend them. I used to see this on a, day, on a daily basis. And I would be dealing with individuals who would not know any better. Of course, at that point, I was protecting the insurance company's mm-hmm. interests. Uh, and I would be dealing also with lawyers who would not necessarily be um, fully aware of what their own clients' entitlements are. You know, so you'd be able to get the the better of them, so to speak. But it's you know, nice having worked both sides, it, it, right? It's extremely, it, it's very beneficial. I'm not using any insider knowledge. It's just common sense, and and just you know. Knowing that insurance companies are economic entities, they're there to resolve disputes. They're not there to take it, you know, all the way to trial. That's why you, almost none of these cases ever go to court. Court costs they money. Don't. They do, yeah. But people have this conceived notion that, oh my god, if I do something like this, if I go to a lawyer, I'm going to end up uh, on trial. I'm going to be. It's going to be like a TV set. You know, it's not. You are not going to go to court. It's extremely rare. And, and frankly, between the time you start a claim and until the time there is court. There's about a billion times that you can resolve the case right. on your terms. So it's nothing people should be afraid of. Injurycalculator.ca All right. So this is an online tool, uh, which is completely free and anonymous. It's something that my team and I built months and months ago, and it's been utilized widely across the province now. And what it is is it allows you to, uh, to go onto that website and input a few uh, key pieces of information, such as where the accident happened, if it was a car accident, or if it was a slip and fall where you fell, not the address, but just a city, uh, the date of when it happened, uh, the kind of injury that you suffered, the extent of the injury, literally it'll take you 20 to 30 seconds to put that in. And what happens at the end is it, the, 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 the program provides a range of uh, financial compensation you could potentially be entitled to. Uh, and, and, and of course, that's just for pain and suffering. It doesn't take into account, uh, you know, if you've suffered income or you're going to be suffering income or if you need help around the home or rehab. It's just a phenomenal tool and it's just been used by so many people.
0: Can people get a hold of you once they've run through the, uh, you know, the, the metrics of the whole thing?
1: Yes, they can. Absolutely. Uh, at the end, when you get that, um, that range of, of compensation, uh, there is a button there that says, you know, I'd like a more comprehensive uh, assessment a consultation, and once you click that, you put in your information, such as your name, your phone number, email, whatever it is, and, and we simply contact you. But unless you do that, I, I never even know that you visited the cool. web page. Right, so, so it's, completely it's uh, anonymous.
0: two things. I mean, there's, there's a range, say, you know, whatever injury says 50 to 80,000 is a range because you guys have done all the homework in the background and it's a range of case law across the country over time. So you've got a you've got a ballpark idea where this range would be. Exactly. So the numbers are real.
1: And uh, number two, like you said, this is only one small or could be one small component of what you get. Yep. Exactly. It's, it's just one small component. You, you, can, you can be entitled to $50,000 for your broken knee, right? but maybe you can't work now or have difficulty doing things around the home. And you're 25. And you, you got it and you need help. Right. I mean, you could potentially end up with a case where, you know, your pain and suffering compensation is X amount of dollars, let's say 40,000, 50,000, 60,000 dollars. But your income loss into the future is in the the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, again, very important to obviously uh, speak uh, with me or a member of my team to get a full idea of what you're entitled to. But at the very least, This anonymous and free online tool can give you an idea of what you can get for your pain and suffering.
0: You can also get your questions answered about long-term disability at mydisabilityquestions.com. You go in there, you ask your question. Chances are it might have already been asked, and there's a drop-down menu, and you'll get your answers. Again, you can contact Savan if uh, you want more information after you do that as well. In the meantime, 416-216-5910 is Savan's number, and the email, which we'll get to right after we come back from a short break, is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here, Talk Radio, AM 640. You need to get a little Savannah anytime. Very simple, 416 5910 and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. I mentioned we'll get to a couple of those now. Uh, Sheldon writes in from Toronto. Savannah says, my daughter was involved in a head-on crash about three months ago. Coming back from work, her car was totaled and the police charged the other guy. She's a real estate agent and has been having a really tough time driving since the accident. Her uh, interaction with clients has clearly been affected and we're not sure what to do. She's very depressed. Her family doctor gave her a referral to a psychologist, but she doesn't want to go. Will her legal case be affected if she doesn't go see the psychologist?
1: That's a very interesting question, Sheldon. Uh, you know, The reality is that when you're dealing with a legal case for compensation uh, for your injuries, you have an obligation to mitigate your damages. And what does that mean? It's, it's a legal term, uh, but it, it's a term that's used widely by defense lawyers and insurance companies. And what, what it means is that if you are told by a doctor that you need a certain kind of help and you don't um, act on that advice, you don't seek that help, uh, there could be an argument made that you know a year from now let 's say if you 're not better than you are now, or even if you are uh, you know that had you listened to your doctor and done what the doctor said, you would have been even better, so mm-hmm. you are at fault to some degree for the fact that you haven 't healed or haven 't healed sufficiently or as much as you would have had you actually acted on a doctor 's advice. So, you know, will her legal case be affected? It it may be, unless she has a very good reason of of not seeking out that help. Now, sometimes, you know, the reason why people don't act on doctor's advice is is because uh, of financial stressors, right? I mean, a psychologist is not free. I'm not sure if, oh, pays for a psychologist, but, you know, if you have to pay and shell out of pocket a hundred bucks an hour or whatever it is, you may not be in a position to be able to do it. Now, uh, if, if you know your own accident benefits insurer, right? Your own insurance company is paying for that, so you have the ability, the financial ability to do it. Why not do it? Mm-hmm. Why not say that you've done everything you could to to get better? And and you know, again, that, that that really comes down to to credibility. And as a defense lawyer, when I used to work for insurance companies, one of the things we used to look at in claims, in assessing claims, is whether or not the person who says that they are injured is really trying to get better. Are they going to all their appointments? Uh, are they acting on the various recommendations of their physicians, of their practitioners, of whoever it is that's dealing with them? So so Sheldon, if you want a more in-depth analysis of your daughter's situation, feel free to call me after the show and you know we'll connect and, and we'll go through absolutely everything. But generally speaking... Uh, if if there are recommendations made for treatments and as an injured person you are not following those recommendations there better be a good reason otherwise there will be you will meet the argument from the other side why didn't you do this why didn't you try to get better
0: you know, it's funny, it's, it's, you've mentioned this before on previous shows, some people some people have this, this, this ideology that, you know, if I go out and I seek help and I get better, I go to all my appointments, that's going to adversely affect me to the negative with the insurance company. They think it's better just to sit around the couch and be sick. No. But that's not the case. No,
1: it's not the case at all. And, you know, if anything, I can tell you defense lawyers and insurance companies are very cynical. Uh, We see claims like this on a daily basis. And a lot of people, unfortunately, are really trying to play the system. So to an extent, I understand why insurance companies are very skeptical. They're very cynical. uh, But, but, you know, even more of a reason why if you are an injured person, you should be following the doctor's advice. You should be seeking this help. You should be taking whatever medications, assuming they don't hurt you, right? Not every medication Mm -hmm. will, uh, you know, uh, be good for you. Uh, uh, But, you know, they do do whatever they can to get better. They try to mitigate and, and and you know if you do that there's a lot less um, in 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 the arsenal of the defense lawyer sure. when it comes time to try and resolve your case, we got uh, you know every
0: week we get a lot of questions on the show. Again, the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca, and uh, Savannah gets a lot of questions through mydisabilityquestions.com. So we'll try to rip through a bunch of random ones uh, this show. I mean, lawyers in general, and if this is something you touched on in the first part of the show of the week that was, and that is, what should a person do if they have trouble reaching their lawyer? Happens all the time, right?
1: Well, that's a good question, and uh, you know, when we first started the show, I think it was about about a year and a half ago, or so I went through some of these kinds of of, uh, questions and points because these come up all the time. And, you know, lawyers generally, unfortunately, have uh, not the best of reputations out there, particularly personal injury lawyers like myself. No. Uh, yeah, come on! Believe it or not, John, huh? amazing. <laughs> huh? uh, you have no idea how many times I thought about changing professions. Uh, but you know, the, the complaints are common. They're very, very common. What are those complaints? I can't reach my lawyer. I leave the messages, and you're right. The first case that I mentioned today—that's exactly what happened. You have to express that concern in writing to the lawyer, okay, or or to the paralegal, whoever you're dealing with. Email is good. Just document. Your communications with your lawyer. Set up a phone appointment with the lawyer's assistant to address the concern. If nothing works, give me a call because oftentimes I've found that people who are having difficulties reaching their lawyers, there is a reason for that. Maybe the lawyer didn't do something, or don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, deal with a difficult situation. Maybe there's a development that was unexpected, and and the client is being kept in the dark. So you know, it's your case, it's your life. That lawyer probably has three hundred other cases on right. the shelf. You got to make sure that you take care of your case and make sure that if your lawyer or your paralegal uh, is not responding to you that that you know you put their feet to the fire what if the next step is
0: true now they, they can get a hold of the lawyer, but the, the the person feels they got a pretty decent case, a serious case, and
1: the lawyer's still not doing much about it well if you have a serious case so for example uh, like the first case that I had mentioned today, uh, you know you have to make sure that you get on that you, you really do whether that means showing up at the lawyer 's office and, and demanding a meeting i mean you, you got to do it or or. Uh, you you get a second opinion, you know, you call someone else, call me, call another personal injury lawyer, call somebody and and try and figure out what's going on with your case. And, and, you know, oftentimes, John, even though I'm not, you know, the person who's calling me, I'm not their lawyer, uh, I'm giving a second opinion, I I can usually figure out what's going on with the case by asking, you know, did this happen or did that happen? Uh, You know, do you have a copy of the police report? Do you have, uh, I don't know, witness statements, whatnot? And oftentimes I can zero in on the issues that are probably uh, making that lawyer uncomfortable in terms of speaking with their client. No kidding. And, and you know, at the very least, the, the after we chat, you know, the, the the individual feels comfortable enough to either tell her lawyer, "Look, I'm aware of what's going on. You know, here's how I want to proceed," or bye bye. You know, you're know, you not yep. answering my phone calls. You're not answering my emails. I'm just going to go somewhere else because I've lost faith in you. But stick around for now. The number is
0: 416-216-5910 and help at the theinsurancelawyer.ca. More emails and more general questions about lawyers, well, in general, is where we get to the remainder of the show. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640, 416- 216-5910. That is Savant's direct number. He has it on him all the time. It's his cell. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. We're talking about uh, quite Lawyers in general. So, uh, what can an injured person do? If this, this may sound like a really obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What can they do if he or she
1: uh, is injured? They have no lawyer and the insurance company is being difficult. You know, it, it's not an obvious question, and maybe for many people, but you know what they say common sense is, is not, not that too common. common. Exactly. And, and you know, the amount of times that I have dealt as a defense lawyer working for insurance companies with individuals who were seriously injured. Uh, Because they, and they had no lawyers, because they thought that they could negotiate with me or or with my client. You know, it's a mistake. Unless you are in the industry, unless you are uh, an insurance agent or a paralegal or somebody who has expertise in this area, do not even attempt to negotiate or deal with the insurance company uh, if you are seriously injured or if somebody in your family or a friend is seriously injured. The reality is that the legislation and the law surrounding injuries in Ontario always changes, okay? It's, it's like a river. You mm-hmm. step in it, 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 it's never the same, all right? It's never the same river. And, and it's extremely important to make sure that as soon as, uh, you know, the injury occurs, of course, you're going to get the medical help you need, but as soon as you're able to, get someone on your side who at the very least can answer questions and guide you through the process. Okay, I'm not asking you to call me up and then sign the retainer that I'm representing you. I'm asking you to call me up and have a discussion so I can give you your options, what you, what you choose to do with those options is up to you, but do not, do not attempt to deal with the insurance company uh, directly. And by the way, oftentimes the adjusters are going to be very nice to you, okay? It's only later oh, for sure. when they get what they want or they have you that things are going to, uh, to change. to sideways. And a lot of people yep. who are in disability are going to attest to this. And initially the relationship with their uh, insurance adjusters was very pleasant until it came down to uh, the insurance adjuster saying, you got to do this or got to do that or we have to cut you off. Suddenly, it was a completely new world, and they had no idea where that was coming from.
0: Help at the is the email address. i get the one from Jason Barry. says, I've been a long-term disability for 15 months and was contacted by my adjuster telling me that they want me to uh, see their doctor in March for an evaluation. Why is that, and do I have to go?
1: Well, Jason, that's not unusual uh, for for insurance companies in long-term disability cases to have uh, a claimant seen by one of their doctors. Now these are called independent medical examinations. We spoke about that, I think, uh, last, last show ago. or two, two shows ago, uh, and, and those are quite common. But unfortunately, what I see happen in most cases when this when this kind of of a thing comes up, is that, you know, the individual goes to be seen by one of these doctors, and then the doctor, uh, not in every case, but in many cases, they crank out a report with conclusions which favor the insurance company, meaning. This person was examined on so-and-so date. Here's the testing that I did. My opinion is that this person is not disabled from doing their own job or from doing any other job. And what happens is that insurance companies often use that to cut the person off benefits. Or they use that to tell the person, look, our doctor thinks you are ready to go back. So how about this? We're going to put you in touch with our people and they're going to help you get back uh, on the horse get back uh you know into your position or another position and oftentimes people who are faced with that starts panicking because oftentimes people are not ready for that and their own doctors are telling them you should not be doing this you're not ready for this but they have no idea they're 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 being confronted with this by the adjuster and they're afraid to say no so Jason in your situation do you have to go? Yes, you have to go. You have to go uh, if, in fact, it's the first examination that they've asked you to go to. And, and if your contract of disability, right, all, the, all these disability claims are governed by the contract of, of, of insurance. Uh, so your, your, your insurance contract, your disability contract, is going to st- uh, uh, stipulate that you have to comply with the insurance request if they want you to be seen uh, by an independent medical professional. And, and and if you don't go, they can take the position that you're being non-compliant under the terms of the policy and therefore cut you off, right? But the word independent shouldn't even be involved here. It should not be involved, <laughs> right. but unfortunately, oftentimes, yeah, and, and it is. It's, it's kind of funny that they use that, but that's what they call it. And they're going to tell you it's an independent evaluation. It's not an independent evaluation. It's the insurance company paying that particular practitioner to evaluate you. Uh, but you do need to go and, and uh, you know, I, I, if in fact the report comes back saying that you are ready to go back to work, or to try to go back to work, and you feel otherwise, and your doctors feel otherwise. Give me a call. So, if you're
0: listening, you've gleaned some
1: information from the show,
0: and you've heard what's going on. So you figure, okay, I'm going to call my or email my lawyer, to find out to, about their case. Lawyer says, ah, not to worry about it.
1: everything's under control. How do they re- really even know if it is? Well, you don't, which is why you have to ask questions. Uh-huh. So, when a client calls me up and says, "What's going on with my case?" First of all, the the never do or almost never do because we keep them updated as we go along. But if they do that, I I literally tell them, here's what happened up until now. Here's what's coming up. Here's the context. In other words, here's where it fits into the bigger picture. And by the way, that's a lot of times what I see missing when I do second opinions Uh, People come to me and I literally, you know, open up my folder and I take out a piece of paper and and I I just I I draw the claims process. I say, here's the beginning. Here's what happened. Here's what happened up until now. Here's what's happening now. Mm -hmm. Here's where it's going to end. And here's the general timeline. And, you know, people's eyes just open up because no one has actually sat down and explained that to them. So if you're in a situation where you're calling up to your lawyer for status or even the lawyer's assistant or or the paralegal or the law clerk and they're just saying oh don't worry about it you know we'll let you know what happens when it happens or as it comes up no you demand to know what is the next step what what are the dates for that when is resolution going to be in sight if you don't ask for that, your case is just going to linger for years and years and years, and there is no reason for that.
0: If you're ever wondering what your pain and suffering could be, if you've suffered an injury or a slight disability, I guess, you can go to injurycalculator.ca. We'll speak about that in detail before the end of the show. Questions through email can always be asked as well. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And any time to get a hold of Savan, his number is 416-216-5910. Take a quick break, get back into more questions, a couple more emails. As we roll on here, the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM640. Savans number directly, 416-216-5910, and uh, email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to an email right now, as promised. We've got, uh, who are we going to go to? We'll check Sean from Collingwood. He wrote in a short time ago, says I was in a car accident about a year ago, and the tow truck driver uh, drove me to a a physio clinic and gave me the card of a lawyer to call. Uh, very suspicious. So I went to the clinic my wife goes to regularly for her massage, and haven't called that lawyer who, by the way, advertises everywhere. Is this common? Is it even legal? Ask Sean.
1: Wow, uh, that's interesting. One stop shopping. One stop shopping. Seriously, huh? Well, unfortunately, uh, this is this is common. It used to be a lot more common before insurance companies started, uh, you know, really cracking down on this kind of of, of behavior. Uh, you know, you, you did the right thing by uh, by not going to that clinic because clearly there is a relationship between the tow truck driver and the clinic. I don't know what kind of clinic it is or, or which one it is. Like, what I can tell you is that insurance companies are, are very sophisticated. They have a list of clinics that they have red-marked, uh, red-flagged, uh, and, and, and certainly they, um, you know, if, if, if you were to get treated in one of those clinics, it, it could potentially taint your case because there would be question marks around whether or not you re- even received the treatments that they mm-hmm. are saying, alleging that you have received, and whether or not uh, uh, you know, they should be paying the invoices of the insurance that the clinic uh, is providing. So you did the right thing by not going there. Uh, and with respect to the lawyer, again, the same thing. Uh, unfortunately, this is a uh, dirty profession. Uh, we've seen a lot of advertising happening everywhere, whether it's on buses or, or, or boards or, or whatnot. It's a big concern to the industry as a whole. It's a big concern to uh, personal injury bar. And, and you know, all I can tell you, Sean, is that you have to do your due diligence. You have to make sure that, you know, you, will, you really look into uh, at depth who, who who you choose to represent you mm-hmm. if you are injured. And you have to make sure that you get references if if you want to go to a certain clinic. Uh, in, in, in this case, uh, you went to a clinic your wife uh, goes to. So, you know, there is a relationship there. Uh, what I usually tell people when they ask me for a recommendation for a clinic is, is I say, you know what, go to your family doctor and get a recommendation. Yeah. Uh, or, or, you know, if you have a friend or a family member who's had, uh, you know, good physio or good massage or chiropractic or whatnot, you know, go to that clinic, try them out. Uh, I'm, I'm very loathe of, of, you know, giving people uh, a direct reference saying you have to go to that clinic. I've seen that happen before. I've seen lawyers do that. And I can tell you, it, it stinks of, uh, yeah. of something that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, right. Okay, so you got to be very, very careful of these kinds of situations because those kinds of uh, places that you end up going to, uh, it will come up during your claims process if you actually seek compensation. Insurance companies will be aware of those places. They will know the lawyer clearly that uh, is representing right. you. We have to be very, very careful. That those individuals and those businesses don't taint your legitimate case, wow, are the insurance companies taking into account who the lawyers, know decide, or doesn it even matter Oh a hundred percent they do a hundred per I can tell you that uh when i when I was a defense lawyer uh, when when I would get a claim on my desk I, I would take a look at two things: I would take a look at the claim itself, the facts of the claim, you know what, how did the accident happen, what were the injuries, et cetera. And I would take a look at the back the back page to see who is the lawyer, or who's the law firm that's representing really? this person. Really? And I can tell you that that factors into the assessment of a potential reserve for settlement. So what does that mean? An insurance company knows who the players are uh, everywhere, whether it's in, in, in the GTA or in Ottawa or Windsor or whatnot. They're aware of the, of the serious players, meaning the serious lawyers and serious law firms, the ones who... Uh, you know, they don't play around, so to speak, okay? They're serious. And uh, they advocate uh, forcefully and powerfully. And, and, you know, you you can't just get a quick and easy settlement with them. So very, very important that if you are injured or if... Someone in your family or a friend that, you know, you don't just go to anyone, don't just, you know, pick up the yellow pages and take a look at and see, you know, who's on the back cover. Mm-hmm. I have no idea who's on mm-hmm. the back cover, but, you know, <laughs> just be very careful of who you choose to represent you because, again, that could taint your case. It could seriously affect your potential compensation without you even having sent one medical document to, to the insurance wow. company to evaluate. They, they're just seeing who's representing you, and, and by virtue of that, they, they already have an idea if it's a serious claim or not.
0: When it comes to long-term disability, when a long-term disability insurer cuts someone off benefits for being, quote-unquote, noncompliant, what does that mean? Is it, is it common?
1: Well, it, first of all, it's extremely common. Uh, and, and what does that mean? Well, who knows what that means? I mean, non-compliant from the insurance company standpoint could be that you're not following their direction. It could be that, you know, you're not answering your phone. Here's the thing. Uh, the insurance company better have a very solid reason for cutting you off of disability. Because if you are disabled and you're unable to go to work and they are saying that you have been non-compliant, for example, with their instructions uh, to try and get back to work, but you're unable to physically, mm-hmm. your doctors are saying you're unable to physically, well, then the insurance company's excuse of you being non-compliant is meaningless. doesn't wash. Right? Yep. It doesn't wash at all. On the other hand, if the insurance company is saying you have to go to this IME to see this doctor so-and-so, your insurance policy dictates that you have to comply with that, and you choose not to go, well... They could potentially argue you are being non-compliant with the policy. So don't assume, though, that if they cut you off because you're quote-unquote non-compliant that you have no case. Just give me a call. Within a few minutes, I'll be able to tell you if, in fact, they have a legitimate reason or not.
0: 416-216-5910 is that number, and the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to another email just after we get to a uh, short break here. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, talk radio, AM640. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, the number 416-216-5910. That's Savannah direct number and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email used uh, by Chris. As a matter of fact, from Aurora, Chris, we'll get your email right now. Uh, Savannah, my son was in a car accident six months ago. He worked full-time as a contractor and hasn't gone back yet on doctor's advice. He still hasn't received anything from his insurance company. How long does it take to get benefits?
1: Okay, I I think that uh, the question is with respect to accident benefits. I mean, if if he's a full-time contractor and hasn't gone back to work and received nothing, at the very least, he should be getting income replacement benefits. Remember, that's one of the the central benefits that your own insurance company, whether you're at fault for the car accident or not, you should be getting. And, and, you know, you have to to complete, or the legislation says you have to complete the uh, accident benefits form within 30 days uh, of of the accident, and I'm not sure if this was done here. I'm not sure if if uh, you know if Chris, if your son is being represented by a paralegal or a lawyer. I have seen cases. I've taken over cases where uh, you know people have been months and months after the accident. They're represented by someone, and, and they clearly should be getting income replacement benefits, and they haven't gotten a cent. And, and, and you know, oftentimes it's because certain documentation was not filed, uh, or was filed incorrectly, or, or or it wasn't completed properly. So you know. It, it, you should be getting those benefits literally within weeks of the accident, at most. It sh- there should not be a delay of six months. So, Chris, my suggestion to you is give me a call or your son give uh, make sure they give me a call or email me, and, and we'll have a quick chat and I'll tell you exactly what needs to be done. He should be getting all that money retroactive, not to the date of the accident. Right? Remember, income replacement benefits are not being are, are not paid for the first week, uh, but but you know certainly from, from the second week onwards, he should be getting that as a retroactive pay.
0: You mentioned paralegal in there. How do I know which one to use or which one should
1: I prefer or do I? Uh, You do. Uh, Paralegals uh, are licensed or they should be licensed uh, if they call themselves paralegals in Ontario. Uh, They're very different than lawyers. Uh, They are allowed to do certain things, uh, but they're not allowed to do everything that a lawyer does. So, for example, they can't represent people uh, with respect to claims in superior court. So, in other words, if you have a claim that's within small claims court, okay, okay, somebody owes you five thousand dollars, contractor something, or something whatever. or a they can represent deal. you exactly. Okay. But if you have a car accident, for example, the paralegal can represent you for your accident benefits with your own insurance company. But they cannot advance a claim for you against the at full driver. That's a completely different ballgame. Only a lawyer is entitled or is able to represent you in that kind of a claim. So, you know, th- there are differences. Uh, in-, in our team, we have both lawyers and paralegals. We work together. Uh, but-, but clearly, there-, there are lines that cannot be crossed. And I have seen situations where people have been represented by paralegals uh, when really the claim was much larger than what the paralegal uh, was able to handle, or or should have been able to handle. Shouldn't I just get
0: the paralegal and go right the lawyer?
1: Well, I, I didn't say oh, it's that. It's not John. necessary. It's uh, not necessary, right? <laughs> it, it's not. And you know, let me put something else out there. I've seen a lot of paralegals who are more than qualified to deal with claims, uh, and oftentimes uh, do a better job than some of the lawyers that mm-hmm. I know. Uh, but that said, again, you know, let's say for example, you fell on the sidewalk uh, because of ice, and you tore your shoulder, and you have difficulty working, or you have issues at home. That's not a small claims court matter, okay? If you have a paralegal that can only uh, make a claim for $25,000, the max not small claims close. court, that's not even close. I mean, an injury like that alone could easily be six figures, depending on you know, the, the, the full extent of your damages. So very, very important to make sure that uh, you do go to the right person. Uh, and if you have a claim that needs to be handled by a lawyer, that you don't go to a paralegal, oftentimes the paralegals will try and deal with it by themselves. Mm-hmm. They won't refer it out to a lawyer.
0: So when you uh, represent someone against uh, you know, their long-term disability insurer, does that disabled person still need to communicate with that insurance adjuster or do they skip that and just let you guys do all that?
1: They skip that altogether. They don't deal with That's the nice. adjuster. Absolutely. And, and you know what? That's actually the major thing for people in disability uh, when they find out that they don't have to say one more thing to this adjuster. They don't have to listen to that adjuster. They don't have to get an email or a letter from that adjuster huge sense of relief, just huge. No kidding, right? That case I told you about the beginning of the show, the, um, the, the, the case that I, I, I'm about to settle that we didn't settle this week yep. but we're going to sell soon, uh, where they're offering over $200,000 at this point. You know, When I met with, with that lady and her mother in their home, they, they their eyes just, just glossed over when I was talking about the, the, the compensation and the money. The, the main thing that they got out of the conversation that we had was that I would be dealing with the adjuster. It would be that they don't have to deal with this adjuster anymore, that, that it's just it's peace of mind. They can focus on her getting better, on getting the treatments she needs, uh, not having to, uh, every time the adjuster calls, worry about not being able to to eat anything because she has no appetite for the next two days right. because of the stress. So you do not have to worry about that. Once we are on board, we take care of it. Period. Once we
0: uh, wind down here, give it to us once again, injurycalculator.ca.
1: All right, online tool, uh, anonymous, go to it. If you were injured um, through somebody else's negligence, whether it's a car accident or a slip and fall, uh, and and you suffered an injury, if you go to that uh, website, you can input a few pieces of information, and it's going to tell you how much pain and suffering damages you could be entitled to. Mm -hmm. It's free, it's anonymous, it takes about 30 seconds or less, and it's been used literally thousands of times since we launched it about a year ago. Very, very useful tool.
0: And they can contact you right from there if they decide to. They can, to proceed absolutely. Further,
1: right? They can, absolutely. Yeah.
0: That in mydisabilityquestions.com. Again, there's a drop down menu. You can ask your questions. Chances are at this point, about a year and a half in, it's probably been asked with answers by Savan and his team. So they'll take care of you in that regard as well. In the meantime, if you need to get a hold of them until our next show, the number is very simple to remember 416 216 5910. And email all the time help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio. AM640.